Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Bruce Channelson from Duke University, uh, and I'm here on Conversation 6 with my friend and colleague, Jordan Tamer from American University. We both are also co-directors of the Bridging the Gap program. Um, and we want to talk today about a very interesting article that he co-authored with Jonathan Monten, Josh Busby, Joshua Kurtzer, Dina Smeltz uh, in Foreign Affairs in early November, November 3rd, called Americans Want to Engage the World. The Beltway and the Public are Closer Than You Think. Of course, November 3rd was a very interesting date to have it published, uh, given that it was Election Day. And um, uh, we want to talk about how it bears upon the transition we're going through. Uh, and the main argument uh, of the article is really, um, as they say in the subtitle, that, that the gap between uh, the general public uh, and what uh, policymakers prefer isn't as big as policymakers often think. So, Jordan, could you talk a little bit about what you, what you and your co-authors found about what that gap is? Yeah, so the main thing we found is that um, across several areas, the public is more internationalist than foreign policy officials and experts tend to think. To give a few examples, um, foreign policy elites, uh, which includes government officials and foreign policy experts outside government, um, estimated in our survey that 52% of Americans support an active U.S. role in the world, but the actual share of Americans favoring an favoring an active U.S. world role is 68%, quite a bit higher. Foreign policy elites estimated that 53% of Americans think trade is good for the U.S. economy, but actually 74% of Americans think trade is good for the U.S. economy. Elites estimated that 49% of Americans want to reduce legal immigration to the U.S., but actually only 27% of Americans favor this. And then fourth, elites thought that 44% of Americans want to reduce the U.S. commitment to NATO, but actually only 24% of Americans want to do this. So there are gaps of about 20% between um, what elites think the public wants and what the public actually wants with the elite um, perceptions, um, thinking, thinking that the public is more um, isolationist or inward looking than it really is. And what we take away from that is that Trump's America first foreign policy was actually out of sync with American um, public preferences um, in many ways. And there is domestic political space for the Biden administration to carry out a more internationalist foreign policy, to carry out the type of foreign policy that Biden um, has been talking about and that he wants to bring to the presidency. Yeah. And, you know, when you and your colleagues and I and others study um, public opinion, we do see a difference between what the aggregate levels are and what the salience is. You know, in other words, the smaller percentage uh, of Americans might be against trade, but they're more they may be more likely to base their political behavior and their voting on that. So, you know, if a Biden person came back and, and raised that point, uh, it's nice that these people generally feel that way, but it doesn't matter as much to them as those who really oppose expanding trade. How would you guys respond to that? I think that's right. I think trade is an issue where there are winners and losers. Most Americans benefit from trade and most Americans favor trade, but there is a minority of Americans who tend to be hurt by trade liberalization and they tend to have stronger views because um, the um, negative effects of a, of a job loss um, are going to be more um, important to someone than the kind of more diffuse um, limited benefits that the average person gets from trade, such as lower prices. And so there is a reality where the um, people who are on the anti-internationalist side 
tend to be more passionate about their position on an issue like trade and tend to, as a result, be a louder voice uh, and more um, active politically. And so politicians, you know, often do have an incentive to um, adopt policies that are more protectionist than most of the public wants. But at the same time, I think um, uh, folks in Washington underestimate the extent to which the public um, really does see the value of international trade and international um, engagement. And there, there is a real base of potential political support out there for um, internationalist policies on issues like trade and immigration. Um, I also wanted to ask you, um, because you've done a lot of um, great work on public opinion and, and foreign policy, and some of that work is focused on questions of military intervention. Um, and you've shown that the public um, tends to be more prudent about military intervention than a lot of people think, and than a lot of people in Washington think. Um, can you speak a bit about that? And, and why do you think um, these misperceptions exist? Yeah, I think there still is this legacy of better to be on the hawkish side of the street than not, particularly among Democrats. And I think that's very dated. I think after 20 years of war, the average person on the street, you know, asks, you know, if we stay any longer, can you tell me that it's going to get better? And it's hard to give a positive answer to that. And I think the public is ready for doing less military intervention. If there was another 9-11 incident, we'd obviously would respond to that. But short of that, and but I think what they want is not just that I'm going to pull the troops out, you know, President Biden, but what's your strategy for dealing with the threat that remains? And I think more attention has to be paid to, if not this, then what? Then just this is a bad idea. Um, so there, there's a lot there. Uh, and I uh, hope we've given people some things to chew on and we'll be back.